Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Joe Rest Podcast, recorded on the 10th of February 2017. I'm Joe and I'm alone for the intro, but I've got a guest coming up. It's been a very long time since I did this. I think it was June last year when I was on the motorway. Uh, so apologies for the delay, but you know the deal with this show. If you've listened long enough, it is what it is. It happens when it happens and uh, you just wait for it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, quite a lot's happened since then. Um, uh, the big one is that my cat died and that was really terrible. That was four weeks ago and I'm still not over it. Uh, yes, he was ill for a long time and, uh, me and my wife are really devastated by that, but, uh, let's not get too bogged down with that. Um, so this is an interview with a very interesting person who turned out to be not who I thought they were. I'd kind of known them, known of them, spoken to them a bit online and thought they were one thing and then it turned out that they were something completely different and interesting nonetheless. So yes, without further ado then, here is that interview. So I'm joined by Chloe, who is a student and listener of my podcast. So welcome, Chloe. Hello. So the reason that I asked you to come on the Joe Rest podcast, which I haven't done for a long time, was because... I've been aware of you for a while as someone who is an interesting person in the sort of Telegram group and stuff like that and in the community generally. Now, the reason that I thought it was going to be an interesting chat is because I thought that you were a young woman who holds atypical views on things like feminism and sort of leans a little bit towards the alt-right, but not all the time. But then when I started talking to you about coming on the show, you dropped the bombshell on me that uh, and this is a thorny issue, but you are not a young woman. You are a young man who has struggled with gender dysphoria. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. Okay, so you were born as a uh, little boy baby, mm-hmm. but then you went through a period of identifying as a female but now you don't anymore. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. Okay, now I know nothing about this kind of stuff. I'm like a dinosaur when it comes to gender issues. I just have no experience of it. I, I suppose I'm lucky that I was born as a man and have never even considered the idea that I'm anything else. Yeah. And I'm married and all the rest of it. So forgive me if I get some terms and things wrong. But so... Um, well, I suppose it's a bit hackneyed question, but like, when did you first realize that you weren't, or you know, think or whatever? When, when did you start to have gender dysphoria? It was it was definitely during like my secondary school days um, when I started thinking about that kind of stuff and worrying about it. And I remember a lot from like those days because it was like a, a quite a long time ago. But I I do remember telling my mum about it, and then. There's quite a bit of drama around that, and um, I remember in my college days talking to friends about it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, like you should do stuff like you should like see a, a therapist to try and well to start like the process of transitioning and stuff like that." And then I was like, "Well, I don't want to do anything without my mum kind of my mum's kind of approval and stuff like that." And I remember her being like, um, saying that she doesn't understand why I held my mother so highly. Um, so that was one of the things that stopped me from making any rash decisions was definitely my mother. 
Okay, and so my understanding is that if a person does want to transition from male to female, then you start with therapy and and you know quite a lot of talking to people, and then you move on to hormones and like HRT type stuff, and then like eventually surgery is an option. So you didn't even get to the talking to anyone phase then. Yeah, no, I just I was just with my small group of friends when we started talking about it. I didn't I never really talked to a therapist about anything really. Um Yeah, my mum was always kind of a person who didn't really think mental health issues like depression and stuff like that was a thing like worth talking to somebody else about, I guess. I don't know if that was because of uh costs or or what I mean, I know that she does believe in mental health issues because, um, I mean, we've got plenty of people in our family who have something or other, and you know, there's a lot of proof of it. But yeah, I I hadn't seen anybody, um, and it was only when I got to university when I felt like I had like some kind of freedom to to do that kind of stuff. But I was also struggling with a lot with like anxiety and stuff like that. So my first hurdle was. Um, trying to get over anxiety in which I would just go to town and people watch for several hours until just hoping for opportunities to to talk to people and get over my anxiety problems and so have you like is, is the time presented as a woman I don't know like you know dressed and stuff and like growing long hair and stuff like that did you do that or was it all just internal I had the longest hair. <laughs> I've definitely done like some cross-dressing stuff in the past, and I think I've only ever done that once publicly, but that was during, no, twice because they were during cosplay meets though. Um, I don't, I don't know how much you know about cosplay meets. I don't know a massive amount about it. I know a little bit, like we're, in my day it was called fancy dress, now it's called cosplay. Uh, <laughs> But what well, it's where a lot of people meet up who are into cosplay. Essentially, I mean, it's pretty pretty self-explanatory. Well, or is there more to it than that? Well, so basically, how how I started in like this kind of cosplay group is that um, I was I, obviously I was, I was trying to get over this anxiety problem with talking to people, meeting new people, not having many friends in where I am currently. Um, so I was just sat around like trying to find out who I can talk to and basically these people came along who were like they had they were wearing tails and you know cosplaying as characters and I started talking to them and uh, it really helped with my anxiety so I'd say it's good for that but it's not very good for if, if you've got any other mental health issues it seems to exacerbate them but it allows people to to talk to people in in a less judging well, I'd say less judging, but then at the same time, there's so much drama which goes on that. But. So why do you think that it exacerbates other mental health problems then? You've just got a lot, a lot of people who um, have some kind of issue who, who they aren't properly tackling it. Um, and I think, I don't know really what it, what it is, because there's, there's a lot of problems in in the cosplay community that uh, I've been I've been out of it for about two years now and I was I was in it for about about two years as well I guess um and just 
being there. I mean, it really helped with my anxiety because there are loads of people who I can just randomly run up to and talk to and stuff like that. But when it comes down to other issues, it, it feels like they, it's not only that they don't deal with them correctly, it feels like sometimes it's promoted in a weird way. So, you know, you're, you're cosplaying as a different character, you're cosplaying as somebody else, and then you're celebrated for who they are instead of who you are. Um, I think that plays a bit of a part in it. But I think there's quite a lot of, of issues there and how... I mean, I don't know if it's this specific cosplay group or if it's cosplay groups in general or, or, or what it is. But um, me and my friend went to... A, a cosplay, like a big cosplay event, and she told me that she could tell that there was like a lot of hidden drama, a lot of weirdness go like that kind of seems to go on underneath the surface. Isn't that with any community though? Like, get a group of human beings together, there's going to be politics and drama. I guess. I mean, I do see drama here and there in the Linux community as well. So, I, but I don't. I don't see as much infantilization of negative traits. Negative traits like what? Like, I mean, as I said earlier, you're like celebrated for being somebody who you aren't in the cosplay community. And I think there's a lot of idolization of people, um, which certain amount of idolization is okay, but then there's, there's a point where it becomes too much. And I think that it, at least in this particular cosplay community it it went far it goes a bit too much um and i think there are sometimes there are people there sometimes who they act like somebody who who's going to help but they're actually people who who are looking for people who are weak of mind to take advantage of as well which definitely has there's been several problems in in that community with that i mean it's not it's definitely not a a thing that is specific to that community and not in any other community. I mean, obviously not, but it's just something that I've noticed from that community. Yeah, fair enough. And it's interesting that uh, you you talk about sort of... um, Well, I I get this sense that in in the cosplay community, it's very sort of insular, people sort of encouraging them through... um, through sort of kindness and love, but like potentially steering people down paths that they wouldn't have otherwise done. And that is a, a big criticism of the the whole trans community that I have heard, especially from, you know, some of the more right-wing people, that it's sort of young people who are led astray, for want of a better word. I mean, do you feel any of that? Like now that you... Uh, this is very difficult to explain, but like you are now sort of uh, coming out of that phase, you might want to call it. Like, you know, you there was a time when you were sort of identifying as female, but now you've told me that you identify as male again. First of all, do you think it was a phase? Well, I mean, a phase is basically just where something happens and then it kind of stops happening at some point where there's... Yeah, so technically, so, yes, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's got to be, I mean... I I still think I have a bit of gender dysphoria. Like I mean, I'm not. It's not fully over, but I I am slowly getting. You know, I'm slowly getting there to a point where, um, hopefully, I don't have to worry about it at all. At some point, it's nice to not feel like 
you need to change your whole body to to fit your brain. But did you make friends with people who were in a similar position to you that also had gender dysphoria? Yeah, I've got like I've got quite a lot of friends who have gender dysphoria of some sort. Um, and you talked a bit about like how people with kindness seem to create some kind of chamber that people get locked in of some sort. Um, yeah, kind of. Well, I'm I'm not saying that I necessarily think that. I mean, as I said at the beginning of this, this is just a completely alien concept to me that I don't really. You know, I'm just totally ignorant of it. And that's that's why I wanted to speak to you. One of the many reasons I wanted to speak to you is because I want to learn more about how this stuff works. But I, I hear a lot of commentary from people who are not directly involved in it. You know, and that, that is one of the, the criticisms, that it seems to be a bit of an echo chamber that like people, especially on the internet, will group together. And you end up um, with young, sort of impressionable people who have some sort of issues and some sort of mental health issues and then getting sort of dragged for want of a better word into this world of um you know gender politics and all the rest of it and and end up transitioning and going through with all the hormone stuff and even surgery and then regretting it when they're older i mean clearly there are people who don't and they go through it and they're happy and they live happily as whatever but is that something that you that, that makes any sense to you? Oh, most definitely. Um, it is something that I, 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 I worry about. I don't remember how my gender dysphoria started or, you know, who was around me at that time. Um, but, but I do know like during college there was a, a, it was quite rough, um, to do with that kind of stuff because it did feel like there was a bit of a pushing, which was a bit, which felt nice in a certain way because it's like, okay, um, you can, it, it was kind of like, you can do this, like, this is your life, you can kind of do what you want kind of thing, which was kind of nice that people thought that, but at the same time, it felt kind of like, I don't know if I was ever fully certain because, I, well, I always wanted my mother's approval, so I never did anything hastily about that kind of stuff. Um, whereas like some of my friends were like, well, well, why do you care about your mother's opinion that much, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, she's my mother. Of course I care about what she thinks. Um, and I don't want, I want her to be on board if anything, like if, if I do go through a life changing, life altering kind of thing, you know? Um, but it did feel like certain parts. I remember there was a time when it was like, um, oh, uh, love transcends gender or something like that. Um, which got me into a bit of a difficult situation because I was, uh, dating someone at the time and because they were like, they were really nice to me and they were really lovely, but they were a guy and I wasn't into guys. But then my friends were all like, oh yeah, but like love transcends gender, you know, it doesn't matter what gender they are, you know. So I tried to give it, give it a go and, and date a guy and it went horrifically bad. <laughs> Um, because, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Interesting. So, so in terms of, I know that like gender and sexuality are not, they're, they're two different things, aren't they? To mm -hmm. a lot of people. Um, yeah. so can, can I pry and ask like, what, what, where do you see yourself on that spectrum of sexuality then? Uh, well, I'm just, I'm into women. I mean, so what, what most people call straight then you like women, yeah. and you're not, not into men at all then. No, I'm not. I wasn't, I'm not into guys. But, um, what happened in, back then was that, um, 
just just like this really sweet guy. He was like really lovely, and he was just a really nice person who. Um, and I, I only really dated because my friends were like, I mean, he's really sweet. He's really nice to me, etc., etc. You know, if if I was into guys, I mean, it would probably then the relationship would have been amazing. But um, there was just this whole thing about like you know, love transcends gender. So well, yeah, I think it, that that love does transcend gender. In that you know, I love my friends and everything, but that doesn't mean that I want to do sexual things with them. Yeah, exactly. But that's where my friends were kind of pushing that, and I was like really suffering for it because. I couldn't quite deal with it, and I didn't know if that was a problem with me because, you know, as everybody was saying, love transcends gender, so, you know, either you don't love this person or there's some kind of problem with, with you kind of thing. So that was a, that was something that, I mean, I, I definitely see a problem with people trying to, to help and be nice, but it bites somebody, it bites you back. Yeah. So can we talk about feminism? Because that's something that um, that originally why I wanted to talk to you, because when I thought that you were, for want of a better term, a cis woman, you know, a young woman who was not into feminism, then that I found very interesting. So, I mean, I think I've seen you in Telegram channels or whatever saying that you are not a fan of feminism. So what, what are your thoughts on that? So <laughs> I'm not a fan of like the modern feminism um, I think there's a lot of problems with it, I, I mean there's kind of like feminism in everything now so it's really difficult to just say feminism and talk about everything because it, it when you talk about feminism it's it kind of pride itself into into everything um, I think I'd say my, my start of dis- disliking Feminism would be when it, there was a lot of stuff about Anita Sarkeesian with her free, femi- feminist frequency, um, going through video games and then explaining how they're, they're sexist, but then not always being truthful about it and trying to get money to, to keep on talking about how video games are sexist in a way which it either isn't or I don't really know how to explain it, but that was like one of, that was like my first I think that was my first step into being not having a distaste for feminism. Is that Gamergate that you're talking about? I mean, it's a. I I would say it's a part of Gamergate, but it, the thing about Gamergate was about journalist journalistic integrity. Yeah. Um. So that was about a, a woman having a relationship with somebody who reviewed the game and then didn't have. Uh, didn't state it in their publication. And um, that's kind of how that kind of started. And obviously, um, there was a lot of toxicity from both sides. Um, but that's how that kind of started. But it's, it's not just about Anita. I think I, Anita did jump into it, but I don't, I can't remember how exactly she came into the fold of Gamergate, but she definitely was a part of Gamergate. Fair enough. So you said there that you're not a fan of modern feminism, but what about the old-fashioned rad femmes, you know, the radical feminism, people like Jermaine Greer, who have more or less come out and said that uh, men 
transitioning to women is just an example of the patriarchy. It's just men thinking they can do whatever they want, including become a woman. And then suddenly they're a woman and then they can speak for them and all the rest of it. I think it's weird because I think it's just, you know, at at what point does it become feminists attacking feminists? Because that's, that's what that sounds like to me. It's one feminist saying that men can't be women and it's other feminists saying trans people are who they identify as. Um, so I, I know it's, it's, uh, it's weird, but it's also kind of expected, I think. I mean, there's a, there's a lot behind it because, I mean, somebody who's transitioned from one gender to another obviously has their previous life of growing up as this one gender and then it kind of switches. Um, there's also some, like, science behind, like, um, apparently people who are gay have a closer brain to a female than they do of a straight male. So... I mean, I know that sexual orientation isn't the same as tra- transitioning. The idea that some uh, um, that somebody who's born male could have a more fe- feminine brain. Well, yeah, I mean, but what exactly is a male brain and what exactly is a, a feminine brain? You know, uh, there are, you know, the stereotypes that women are better at looking after kids and stuff like that. And, you know, men are better at uh, spatial awareness and stuff like that. But, like, those old stereotypes... Um, although maybe broadly true, there are so many exceptions to that and to those that it sort of seems a bit meaningless, really, to, to even talk about male and female brains, doesn't it? I kind of get what you're saying, but at the same time, because obviously there are a lot of exceptions. Um, the The idea is that if something is generally true, obviously it doesn't mean that it's overall the same for everybody. So if in general women are better at this it doesn't mean that men can't be better at that than women and if men are generally better at something else it doesn't mean that women can't be better than men at that specific thing but i think having a general um idea of if a, if a woman is generally better at that i think it's good as a society for people to know and understand that i suppose so yeah you kind of have to accept the reality that yeah most women are you know better at this or that or whatever yeah that that makes sense um can we talk about identity politics generally now there have been a lot of people and a lot of people whose podcasts i listen to sam harris springs to mind who is uh very annoyed with how far identity politics has come and how important it seems to be to so many people because as far as i'm concerned uh, if you want to transition or whatever, it's none of my business, as long as it doesn't interfere with me and as long as everyone is consenting to whatever, then I don't really care. I'm quite libertarian in that sense. Yeah. Um, but the the problem is when everyone who's into these certain things or believes certain things um, wants to sort of segregate themselves into these political groups and uh, and champion their cause and you end up with this sort of, especially on the left, you've got this fractured political landscape where no one can really agree on things because they're all too busy um, promoting, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter or trans issues or whatever. And it, it means that it's all kind of a distraction 
away from the more serious pressing issues, but like the fact that global capitalism has run amok and cannot continue indefinitely with this indefinite growth model and not to mention climate change and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know where you stand on that. It's uh, climate change itself is esoteric. I don't understand much of the science or any of the science behind it, but I am almost 100% convinced that uh, it is anthropogenic. You know, it is something that we're doing and it's probably a combination of CO2 and methane or whatever. But, you know, I'm I'm not one of these uh, so-called climate deniers. But, but either way, there are some very serious issues that I think are being sidelined by what is effectively less important. I mean, you've, you've pretty much summed that up pretty well, to be fair. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not a big fan of, of gender politics, at, uh, well, identity politics at all. And I think a lot of a lot of some of this is is um, just like a race to the bottom of who's got it the worst, because um, it seems that a lot of people tend to tend to say, "Oh, you have this problem, but I have this problem and this problem, so my problems we should sort out my problems first. Or this person has this problem and this problem and this problem, so we should care more about them." But I don't think that's that's fair, and that's just a race to the race to the bottom. Um, instead of paying attention to more global issues, I guess. I think I think looking at an individual is is more important than looking at groups. Well, yeah, and it's easy for an individual to think that their whatever their problem is or whatever their issues that they're going through are more important than anyone else's because quite frankly to them they are Mm. the the things that affect me affect my world and my whole worldview is is very much governed by my own situation and uh, you know thankfully i've pretty much won the lottery of life by being (laughs) born a white man who's quite big quite strong in a nice place yeah. <laughs> that is the the uk and you know living in london as well which is quite nice it's a bit polluted and whatnot but um for me i've got nothing to complain about and yet you see uh especially on the right you know so-called alt rightists they are complaining that they are being somehow put upon now because of all the other identity politics taking precedence over theirs and that's why you get things happening like trump being voted in and brexit happening here mm. i mean one of the things is that like everybody has some kind of trouble everyone has some kind of problem and to act like one person either doesn't have any problems or that because somebody has worse problems than this person who doesn't have that many problems has to uh, kneel down and fix somebody else's problems because they have less of problems in your eyes. I think that is something which is going to continue to fracture. I mean, I've seen like so many uh, pictures of how the political divide has got worse and worse over time um, for whatever purpose. And it's just, it's, it's not good. Um, that we only seem to be listening to 
to one side of things. And and also this uh this news report um by I think it was by Russia Today about um this LGBT march um in a Muslim majority area. Um and they kept on saying that this LGBT march was an alt right march. Um, and I, I don't really know much about the people behind it. So it, I mean, the possibility of them being all right is, is, I mean, sure, they could be. Um, and I'm not saying anything against that, but what, what seems to be weird to me is that if you march and be pro- provocative, LGBT people in, in a Muslim area, people seem to have problems with that. But if you're doing an LGBT march and you're provocative against Christians of some sort, then it seems to be cherished as a libertarian thing. I don't know if you see that. Well, isn't that because, well, are we talking about in this country, in the UK or, or what, this march that you talked about? It wasn't in the UK. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember which country it was, is in specifically. But certainly in the UK, this idea of um, you can mock Christianity, but you can't mock Islam, well, that is because we are traditionally a Christian country and also because Christianity, well, Church of England Christianity, at least in this country, is is very laid back, isn't it? And um, there's no – we've been through the violent phase many, many years ago, sort of hundreds of years ago. And now we're in the sort of, well, I, I mean, to me, apart from um, in the in some places, but I think generally we've become quite a secular country. And there, although people might put down Christian on the census form, church attendance has gone down massively, and uh, it's it's not something that people are really into. They might consider themselves Christian, but they don't like actively go to church and whatnot. Apart from maybe on a few occasions, Easter, Christmas that sort of thing, or they might get married in a church. But other faiths seem to be a bit more serious about it, I suppose. Like most people who are, well, most people who I have met who consider themselves Muslim um, actively go to mosque regularly and, um, you know, do the, the fasting as part of Ramadan and take it all very seriously. Whereas certainly with um, Christianity, people just don't take it as seriously. And so that's why obviously you're going to have this divide where you you can get away with uh, mocking Christianity and all the rest of it, but you can't with other religions because it's, they're just, we, they take it more seriously. I don't know. I just, I, I, I just think that, you know, when it comes down to religion, I do get what you're saying about people not taking Christianity as serious nowadays, but it feels like we had a lot of time where we just mocked anybody who's Christian and that was fine. Um, but now we're in a time where you can't really, where you can mock Christians, but you can't mock Muslims or, you know, the, the Muslim religion as much. And I, I don't think that's, I mean, I, I see what you're saying about people taking it more seriously, but just because somebody takes it more seriously, I don't think means that you should be able to stop people from being able to say these certain things, if you know what I mean. Well, I don't know what you mean. Um, and I am 
you know, fairly libertarian. I'm kind of a weird mixture of libertarian and socialist, which kind of doesn't really go together. But um, I am libertarian enough to say, look, do what you want. If you want to to criticize uh, Islam and if you want to um, draw the profit or whatever, then you should be free to do that, but don't expect no consequences as a result of it. Yeah, you have to be realistic and and pragmatic. If if you do certain things, then there will be certain consequences. And okay, maybe there shouldn't be. Maybe you shouldn't expect to have violent consequences for just saying something mm. or drawing something, or whatever. But that is the world that we find ourselves in, and there's not really any point pretending otherwise. I guess the violence. I mean, that's obviously that's. You know, the police need to be involved when when that starts happening. But I just think you know, if you if you you should be able to mock um, the Quran as much as you can mock the Bible, uh, and I think you should get similar consequences uh, when it comes down to the the legal system and how the news portrays you. How how individuals treat you is completely different. Like I mean, if you mock the Quran and a Muslim person gets really annoyed at you and starts, you know, acting negatively towards you, um, or you and you mock the Bible and the, the Christian man doesn't really care as much, then that's that's on an individual level. I don't that that doesn't bother me as much. It's just when it comes down to like big news organizations or government or law, that's when it that's when it bothers me. But don't all those things reflect the reality, you know, government and uh, law and uh, you know the BBC and news organisations, they reflect what what is the reality of the situation. If you start mocking Christianity, no one cares, and you know people might get a bit offended and tut, but like that's about as far as it's going to go in this country. I know it's different in other parts of the world, but whereas if you start mocking Muslims or the Quran or Islam or whatever, then you're gonna face serious consequences and and so you would expect therefore the institutions and law and everything to reflect that reality and yeah okay there's an imbalance there but life is not about everything being equal it would be nice if everything was equal but that's just not how the world works i just think when it comes down to like stuff like law um if if one person's belief is treated too differently from somebody else's similar belief. I mean, I think it's one of those things which is is also helping create this divide, but you know, between the left and the right. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like to think of it not in terms of left and right anymore. Really, I think it's more a case of you've got globalists and you've got populists, and it seems that the populists are on top at the moment. But I also think that the reality is there is a massive silent majority of centrists. In, in the middle, yeah. who are just at the moment don't really have any politicians speaking for them, apart from if you look at France, where you know a, a centrist politician came along, Macron, who mm. was well-spoken and, I mean, he even did an interview in English that was better than what Theresa May and Corbyn can do. <laughs> He's a very impressive politician. I'm sure that he is um, in the pockets of all of the usual stuff, arms industry and all the rest of it. But in terms of personality and, and what he is uh, at least talking about, he is centrist and he won as a result of that. Yeah, he was um, challenged by the populists on the right, 
um, and the left, but ultimately came out on top. And someone I spoke to who is very right-leaning said that the French system is rigged because they, you go through the first stage um, where it's kind of a little bit fairer and then it was basically him against everyone else. Or I don't know. I don't know exactly how it was, but this person was saying to me that the system was rigged. But I said, well, no, isn't it a system that's kind of designed to prevent maniacs seizing power like you've got in America? And sorry, American listeners who voted for him, but you know what? What is going on when Trump is president? Um, but anyway, the point I was making is that you've got a lot of people who would vote for centrist people if they had a chance. Um, I mean, can, may I ask where you fall on that line? Um, I mean, I can I can answer the question with uh, with two very simple questions, really. Um, what do you think about Brexit? Well, are you in favour or not? And uh, if you were in America, who would you have voted for in the last election? So start start with Brexit. Where do you stand on that? Uh, um, I'm I was pro Brexit. I do think I'm more nationalist than I used to be over time. Um, I think I used to be a lot more globalist, but then I mean. It's kind. Of, it's kind of difficult because even the Brexit is about leaving the European Union, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to to make our country more nationalistic in in certain ways. Because a lot of where we get our culture from is America, which isn't part of the EU. Yeah. So I'm I'm currently trying to understand where my views are because I mean I don't like the fact that we're getting more and more American in certain ways so I'm trying to trying to figure out what I believe and think about in those kind of terms like because I just don't want us to be America too yeah 51st state and all that yeah um so what about Trump and Hillary and stuff who who would you have voted for would you have voted for Trump well I didn't like either as as um yeah, well, I, I described it as uh, the choice between a punch in the face and a kick in the balls. Yeah, I definitely agree with, with that sentiment. Um, out of those two, probably, well, Trump, because I think that he has... I mean, now there's the thing with North Korea, but before that, I was a lot more worried about what was going to happen with Hillary and Russia. Yeah. Um, I was quite concerned about a possible war there. Yeah, um, but instead we've got someone who's pretty cosy with the Russians, so that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, um, you don't. You sound like you don't believe that link. Then, well, I, I, I mean, Trump is obviously a lot closer to 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 Putin than Hillary ever was, but um, I don't believe that it that there was Russian collusion, if that's what you mean. Yeah, and an interference in the uh, in election and stuff. Yeah, I don't believe that there was Russian interference. Well, George Bush has come out and said there was, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I hear that there was, there was like ads on like Facebook that was sponsored by the Russians, but I don't know if you would how how solid that evidence is one and b how much you would consider that collusion if it did happen. Because. Mm. Um, 
because when I think about it, like when somebody says, oh, the Russians have had like the election, I consider that as, oh, they've somehow changed the votes using, you know. Yeah, yeah, actually hacked in and yeah, changed the numbers rather yeah. than. But what we're talking about is propaganda. Like they didn't, you know, hacked is one word. They influenced the election with propaganda, essentially. Mm. And, um, you know, the whole WikiLeaks thing about leaking the, the Democrat emails and stuff like that. And WikiLeaks are quite clearly linked to Russia in some way. Um, yeah. It's it's all well beyond my pay grade, all the politics of that. But it, <laughs> it seems quite clear that there is that Russia is certainly attempting to influence what's going on. And I think, um, well, put it this way, Putin was happy that Trump got elected and he was also happy that Brexit happened or you know the vote went that way yeah I, I don't know about brexit but i know but i mean wouldn't you be happy if you had to worry a lot less about having a possible war or you know issues with with hillary um because that was my my concern was that there was going to be an issue with hillary and doing something to to provoke uh, a war with russia i think that very unlikely i think that had she won she wouldn't have uh, been very inclined to go to war with Russia because Russia have got too many nukes and stuff. Yeah. Far more likely is that her and her arms industry friends would go after another Middle Eastern country that can't properly defend itself and spend trillions of American tax dollars on bombs and stuff that she's all getting kickbacks from the sales of. I think that's far more likely than going to war with someone who can actually compete against you. Russia, okay, they're not the great Soviet power that they once were, but I think that the idea of going to war with Russia or China is is just not very realistic because there's too much comeback. Mm. Um, you know, you go to war with a Middle Eastern country and you might lose a few of your lads and lasses on the ground, but the idea of them coming and actually bombing your country uh is pretty remote whereas with russia not so much you, the second you start having a war with them you you're risking the lives of millions of american civilians yeah so i think that this idea that she's a warmonger is is true uh as her husband was and as mm. all the politicians that we've had in america and the uk <laughs> over the last however many years decades and decades but I, I think that it would have been, um, yeah, I don't think it would have been Russia, but I, I could be completely wrong. As I said, I don't follow this stuff enough in enough detail really to, to have properly informed opinions. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think in, in certain cases that I do pay too much attention. Well, I mean, the thing is like, I'm, I'm from a majority left area. So I, I hear a lot of, uh, left wing stuff from the environment around me. Um, and like a lot of my friends are, are either left-wing or left-leaning. So I really kind of had to, uh, originally I really had to kind of like search out for like right-wing opinions and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if perhaps because the more right-wing stuff I hear is, is formatted in Oh, a certain way which makes it sound more truthful or if I do have a, a good amount of sources between the left and the right because I live in a, a majority left area and hear a lot of the arguments from that side. Well, yeah, and 
it it strikes me that you are probably one of the very few, not the only, but there, there can't be many people who have experience of gender dysphoria and that whole community who are right-leaning. Uh, I mean, yeah. presumably you are unique in the people that you know of in that um, I don't. I don't know what to call it. Is it a social circle? Is it a you know whatever? But the people who you know who uh, have gender dysphoria or whatever, like you, surely are the only one who like is pro Brexit and Trump and stuff. Yeah, most people who who have got some kind of gender dysphoria of some sort tend to be quite left leaning. Um, I don't know if that's just issues that are important because I mean. It obviously depends on issues. If um, if you think that you're left wing or right wing, so you might be left wing in one area, but right wing in another area, or a, a weird mix of 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 that kind of stuff. And what's important to you? I think it's really difficult to to kind of figure like that kind of stuff out. And if you only pay attention to one side, like if you only pay attention to one or two issues then it's easy to just say, oh, I'm right-wing or oh, I'm left-wing. But then if you look at all of the issues together and then, oh, I'm left on this issue, I'm right on this issue, where where do I actually belong? It becomes more of an issue, I think. But also I think there's a lot of, oh, if you believe this, then you're against me. If you believe this, then you're with me. Um, and that isn't always the case because sometimes the goals are the same, but the ways that you get to said goals are different well yeah it's funny you say that because the fact that you are pro-brexit and presumably voted for that means that you are against me uh, you know i am married to a german who was very very upset about that vote happening that way and you know we are worried uh, about our future in this country what exactly is going to happen as a result of brexit and it is people like you who have put us in this position and we feel extremely hostile towards people who voted for Brexit. And there are a lot of different reasons why people did vote for it. Um, the, the easy thing to say is it was a load of thick northerners, but obviously there's far more nuance there. There are some thick racist northerners who did vote that way, but then there are people who have got very uh, considered viewpoints on it and and would think that there are economic reasons and uh you know free trade with the rest of the world and all the rest of that but the fact remains that if you voted to leave then you're against me personally and i'm i'm going to be hostile towards you i'm afraid i am concerned about brexit don't get me wrong it's like i'm just like oh yeah this is all good and dandy everything will be amazing because we've left or something you know get all of those those immigrants out or whatever. It's not it's not like that. And I think a lot of people put up this fairy tale that everybody who voted Brexit hates people who are foreign. I've got friends who are studying from abroad who are German, who are Spanish. My best friends yeah. are European. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um yeah I've got I've got loads of friends who, who are European. Um and to say that I I don't worry about what could happen as a result is isn't isn't correct like i mean and there is a bit of concern about stuff like i mean you said that your your wife is is german um what that kind of means i would assume because you're married she would be able to have some kind of dual citizenship of some sort uh i don't 
know exactly about that. We we've kind of looked into it a bit, but it's just all so up in the air. And this idea, I mean, I remember talking to my parents about it, and they said, "Oh, you're married. It's fine. It's for you because you're married." But like, people assume that just because you're married, things are going to be fine, but not necessarily. There are people who have applied to stay in this country who are married and uh, somehow did the paperwork wrong or something and have been told to get out. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if those errors were corrected, but there could be, if we get a full-blown hard Brexit, it, it is conceivable that all EU nationals could get kicked out. I mean, that seems pretty unlikely, but that that is a possibility that is on the table. And if that happens, married or not, she might get kicked out and therefore I will have to leave this country that I've lived in for all my life. And if that happens, I would want to leave. I mean, I already want to leave, to be honest. I, I don't want to live in a country where more than half of the people want to leave the EU, quite frankly. Although that is not actually true because uh, something that people never talk about in this Brexit stuff is that there are a lot of residents of this country, albeit not citizens, who were not allowed to vote. My wife wasn't allowed to vote because she is an EU citizen residing in the UK. And so if you had let the people who actually live here all vote, then it would have gone the other way. Because um, although <laughs> I, I did speak to a Polish person who said that he would have voted to leave, and uh, I asked him why, he said, because of the immigrants. I said, well, you're an immigrant. He said, no, I don't mean me. I mean the Mohammeds. You know, that goes to show that not everyone who is uh, an EU citizen fully understands things. But, I mean, he is clearly thick if he's saying things like that, I'm afraid. But anyway, I, I don't think that, the uh, you know, apart from the fact that the, the bus with the lies on it and all the rest of it, like, the whole thing was just a fiasco and is continuing to be a fiasco. And the only sensible solution is to just scrap Brexit, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'm probably infuriating about half the listeners in the UK by saying that. Um, uh, certainly Paddy, who I used to do the show with, uh, Linux Luddites, he was a, well, is a pro-Brexiteer. And uh, I have had many a conversation with him about it. Um, but yeah, and you, that to me is just a complete disaster. And I don't know what people are thinking. And similarly with Trump as well. I mean, yeah, Hillary wasn't a great option, but... Uh, yeah, at least she wasn't Trump, you know. You already said, like, between Hillary and Trump, is between a kick in the balls and a punch in the face. So, I mean, I, yeah. I agree with that, so. Yeah, but I'd probably rather have a punch in the face, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's marginally better. Okay, well, we've been going quite a while now, so we should probably wrap it up. Uh, have you got any closing thoughts, any things that uh, I should have asked you about? I'd say one thing about culture which was something that i was thinking about earlier i i kind of came from a countryside to a city um and one of one of uh, my tutors said that big cities aren't that different from like small countryside you know it's it's just fear of people who are different from you with immigration and stuff like that but i think i think it's a lot different than that i think people do seem to bubble problems into one thing so massive cities are different from very small areas uh, in lots of different ways and i think definitely immigration can play a bit of a problem in that but i think people saying that it's only immigration 
they're not really paying attention to all of the other problems which change the culture. Um, I think when you have a small city and it grows, even if everybody there is native British, white, whatever, the culture completely changes because of how many people are there. It's not fully about Im immigration that creates that cultural difference. And I think a lot of people play that it is only, only that when there's a lot of different dividing problems, which happens with either growing out a city or uh, changing environment. And I, I, I just think that that's an important thing to, to say and talk about in, especially in the current political climate. What, because people want to attribute people's vote in Brexit and voting for Trump and stuff to just immigration, whereas you're saying that it's much more complicated than that? Yeah, there's, there is that, but I, I was also talking about, like, I think a lot of people from both the right and the left do focus on immigration when there are a lot more problems than that. I, was, I wasn't really thinking about um, specifically immigration there, but I was just thinking about um, expanding residents you know when you build a lot more houses and the environment just changes completely and the culture seems to change with that and that doesn't matter if if you know people are immigrants or not the fact that there's 200 more houses there's so many more people to to fit in there there's so many more people to have quarrels or uh, friendships with it changes so much just having more houses in one place but that's unavoidable, isn't it? Because people keep breeding. It's definitely something that changes over time. I was reading, I was reading, um, what's it called? Coming Up Fire by George Orwell, where he talks about this problem quite a bit. Uh, he, in that book, he, he starts as a child who goes fishing in this pond. He then goes to war, lives in a big city, and then near the end of it, he goes back to where he used to be. Um, and everything's just changed and nothing's the same. And it really struck a chord with me. Um, that seems to be something that's happening in where I'm originally from currently. And it, that concerns me because it just, it, I'm worried about how that's going to change the culture of that place. It's something that I think a lot of people think it's just immigration. That is that problem that creates that problem, but it's it's a lot more than immigration, and I think people need to to consider stuff like that. You know, well, it's overpopulation is the cause of the problem there, and that's something that I've been very vocal about in the past, and that I think that people should stop breeding, quite frankly, and it's something that I've taken steps to make sure that I don't breed and I'm not having any kids. And if you're really desperate for the the urge to look after kids, there's plenty that need looking after already, and you should do that. And if you want to do the world a favor, you know, I mean, almost every problem is caused by overpopulation, as far as I'm concerned. And and yes, okay, you could distribute things more evenly and and stuff. And you, it's, some people argue that you need younger people to support the older people or whatever. But I think technology can probably bridge that gap for a lot of people. Um, automation and stuff um, but that's probably <laughs> topics for another time anyway um, but yeah it's, it's been great talking to you and you've uh, enlightened me yeah. uh, on issues that uh, are just totally alien to me so I feel that they're slightly less alien now but I think that I need to talk to more people and ask more questions because that's the only way to really form an opinion I think um, yeah 
And there's this axiom that you're not allowed to have an opinion on things that you're not directly involved in, which sort of makes sense in a way, but um, it's tricky. Like, you know, I can't really have opinions on feminism and trans issues because, like, I'm a white bloke. So, uh, you know, all race issues as well, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, the only thing I can do is ask questions. And uh, so having people like you come on and talk to me is, uh, is cool. So, yeah, thanks a lot. And, um, yeah, maybe speak to you again at some point. Yeah, that would be nice. So there you go, very interesting chat about all sorts of things. And I feel that my eyes have been opened a little bit to a world that was just completely alien to me before. So who knows when the next one will be? I've got all these crazy ideas, but uh, you never know. It could be another eight months or whatever. Uh, so until then, see you later. See you later.